0: Let me introduce you to your next favorite true crime podcast, Crime Salad.
1: Ashley and Ricky, a husband and wife team, go beyond telling crime stories. They dive into the darkest corners of human nature with the ultimate goal of preventing future tragedies. Together, they shine a relentless spotlight on critical issues like relationship violence and domestic abuse, inviting you to explore the complexities of these societal challenges. Now,
0: let us set the scene for a recent Crime Salad episode, which is titled, The Search for Haley Cummings. The
1: disappearance of a five-year-old girl leaves the Florida community in disbelief. In the early morning hours of the night, an open back door remained eerily left open where Haley was staying. A wave of dread swept through the community and the family as the unimaginable happened. Was this the work of a kidnapper, or did the little girl wander off? The search for Haley brought a community together in the darkest of times.
0: Since 2019, Ashley and Ricky, the Crime Salad duo, have continued to deliver stories that are not only fascinating and well-researched, but also have a strong voice for change and justice. So grab your headphones and prepare to be pulled into a world where mystery meets humanity. Make sure to tune in to Crime Salad wherever you find your podcasts and join a growing community of listeners who tune in every week. And now back to your regularly scheduled haunting. Welcome back, back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Matt Strong and Allie Terry. Woo, well, this, Woo. Is, well, this, is, this is episode 18. Welcome to episode 18, everyone. This is episode 18, and you guys, we are thriving.
2: Like, we're getting ready to go on a road trip for our podcast
0: vlog about ghosts and aliens. We leave tomorrow morning and... Yeah, I mean, hopefully we don't die in the in the desert on the way. I honestly, I kind of forgot about this.
2: Like, <laughs> I, this was really important to me that we go to. Uh, Area you were the 51. one pushing for it. I know. It. I it was really, really important to me, and that was like a month ago. And I've just honestly kind of forgot about it. And I've been through a lot in <laughs> a month, and now it's like, oh, this is coming back around. I have to get back in, back into this like suspiciousness. You know, I'm like because of the superstition the superstition yeah yeah and also i'm i mean if we believe everything that i talked about in the area 51 episode which you should listen to if you haven't already otherwise yes. this you're not going to understand why we're going there then we know that there's pollutants that are in the
0: air and in the soil
2: and in the ground in this area that kill people
0: okay so here's the thing <laughs> as i was looking on amazon because I was like, I want to get a radiation reader for when we go out there, but they cost like $400. I'm not going to spend $400 on a radiation meter, but I did find a K2 meter that was like $50. What's K2? The K2 are the ones that um, measure electromagnetic fields in the area, so I think I'm going to get that one because it's only like 50 bucks. That's sick. Yeah, and as you guys know, we had a fundraiser for this trip. Yes, and we got funded. Thank you, yes, guys. You guys,
2: we got funded, so we can go out here and make you guys a sick vlog. I'm getting some lav mics, which, if you don't know what those are, they're like expensive, fancy mics that are gonna clip on to our outfits, so that like. When you see us, you can also hear what we're saying, yeah.
0: unlike <laughs> It's really going to be an improvement from yeah. all of our previous vlogs. Yeah. And so real quick, I just want to um, shout out all of our donors. Donations are still open if you feel so inclined. But here are all of our donors so far that have funded us to go to Area 51. We got Stephanie F, Kathleen G, Josh B, Phil G, Elise B, It's Red Rum, Kai K, Alana M, Kinsley R, Hannah Q, Fran A, Zach G, Jose O, Alex W, Eddie C, Cassidy H, Brooklyn W, Kinsley M, Patrick. Initial response, Morgan W, Robert C, Nick F, Julio G, Jacob O, Sean S, Zachary W, Marinella D, Matan B, Gabby K, Cheyenne S, Christopher O, and Brandon R. That is you guys are
2: first of all you guys are the best fans that anyone could ask for honestly i've never had friends that were this generous (laughs) like i've never known people who were this generous or nice to me in any way like i've never had a friend be like wow like something you're doing is so great and i just want to talk to you about it like that doesn't happen in la yeah yeah definitely people are like oh if someone's doing something great i better act like i don't think it's cool so that way like.
0: I can just, like, ride on their coattails without them realizing that they're Right, cool. or or put them down because I'm upset that I'm not going to Area 51. <laughs>
2: right, exactly. It's yeah. like a FOMO thing. So to have people, I'm sure you guys are from, like, places that haven't been tainted by the industry, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but thank you guys so much. So um, all of the donations that we made are going directly towards our trip. We just booked our accommodations. Um, And then we're going to be driving. So originally, if you listened a couple episodes ago, we were talking about debating, should we fly? Should we drive? So we didn't make enough donations to fly, but that's totally fine. I actually think it's going to be a better vlog if we drive because I mapped it out and we can actually hit a couple of ghost towns on the way and we can hit one of the most haunted places, supposedly, uh, in the desert on the way to Nevada. Oh,
2: my God. So what? Yeah. You didn't tell me about this.
0: I sent it to you in a text, but you didn't respond. Oh, that makes sense. But I also sent a lot of texts in a row where I was like, (laughs) I was in class on my computer and I was like, uh okay so here's the math for if we do this Mm. and here's the math if we do that i wouldn't have listened either so you
2: you were in like production mode i was in the zone but
0: it's going to be super dope um i'm not going to tell you guys what direction we're traveling to get to area 51 because i don't want to ruin it i want the vlog to be a surprise but just know we are not going the typical route to area 51 we are going a little bit different of a route, route. the haunted route some might say oh Oh. and um (laughs) you'll see in the vlog
2: yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much, guys.
0: And if you guys want to donate, um, if anybody out there hasn't donated yet and wants to be a part of it, we do thank our donors. Um, every single vlog in the description. We thank you guys, of course, all every episode. Um, and we might even put something in the vlog where we verbally say your names out loud in the vlog. I don't know yet. Anything's possible.
2: Yeah, and also our average donation isn't like a hundred million dollars. No, no, no. It's like
0: I think actually it went up a little bit. It used to be four dollars, and now our average donation is I think like almost six dollars. Yeah. Which is okay. great. That's which is awesome. awesome.
2: Yeah. I think mo- most of the vo- things that I get have four twenty. Yeah. Like 420 or $6.66. $6 and yeah. Yeah. Or $6.90. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. six dollars and nine cents you guys are are little memers
2: it all adds up though so let's pretend like we have seven (laughs) thousand listeners or subscribers right Right. if half of those people donate one dollar per episode then we'd uh,
0: have some dollars
3: yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) wow i should have chose 800 yeah then then i would know what that was but i was i was like three i was and i was also
0: like we definitely don't make that many donations but yeah it's a good point um and also I don't think we're going to have any leftover from this um, trip because we're going to be using most of the gas to get there um, in my truck. But if we do have any leftover, we're going to go ahead and put it towards another trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll go to Ohio University. Maybe we'll go to that listener story we talked about last last listeners episode in Kansas with the portal to hell. Mm. I mean, you just never know where we might end up. Yeah. And maybe this episode that Natalia is talking about today, maybe we'll want to go there. Oh, OK. Well,
2: You guys, before I start talking about this episode, I need everyone to know that last <laughs> night I texted Alyssa <laughs> at around like 1130 at night. And I was like, hey, can we push back recording tomorrow to like an hour and a half later? One of my sources like ended up being this neo-Nazi Holocaust denying oh article. Oh, my God. So like, that's I can't like the
0: use- nightmare. Yeah. Well,
2: he <sighs> I'm just like stressed to tell the story because <laughs> I so if you believe in conspiracies, sometimes conspiracies are denying what is um, like the majority of people's belief about sure.
0: an event or something that happened, like, like 9-11 conspiracy theories. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, if you are someone who is. I mean, I consider myself patriotic. Um, I mean it can be uncomfortable to listen to stuff like that because you just don't want to even think about it being a possibility, right?
2: Right, because we know that tons of, like you know, so many Americans died in that and so many people suffered from that and it's like it's really it's almost denying the denying what yes. is
0: acceptable. It can feel disrespectful yeah, to victims. It feels disrespectful. Yes.
2: So some of these conspiracies that uh, we get into are completely harmless. It's like, oh, is this house a portal to hell? It's like, right. I don't know Satan personally. Yeah. So it's not... <laughs> you don't? Yeah, it's not going to offend anyone. And, and some
0: conspiracy theories aren't even theories. They're just facts. Like talking about the MKUltra. I mean, right. you know, the CIA had come out um, years later saying that it was real. So right. yeah, you're totally right. There's two different ends of the spectrum. It's like super harmless stuff that's just like kind of fun Mm -hmm. and then there's stuff that is actually real yeah and then there's stuff like like uh maybe the episode you're doing today yeah
2: I was well it's hard to even call it one thing because this shit gets so deep so I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you guys everything I learned about this because this story started coming to me in so many different pieces over the years, um, and now it's kind of all come together. But there's still so much more to uncover about it. So if you guys like this story, we will continue to talk about it.
0: Ooh, so this is something that you have known about for years, then? Well,
2: let me let me answer that question okay. with a few questions to see if you can figure out Ooh, what I'm going to say. Okay, tell you. all right, I'm ready. All right, Alyssa. What do you know about prison?
0: Okay. So the first thing that popped into my head was Prisoner of Azkaban, but that, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go with that. I clearly know you're not talking about Harry Potter. Okay. So prison. I know that in the U S we have privatized prisons. Mm-hmm. And so for example, I know that there was a prison. I don't know if it still exists, but years ago in Texas that became famous because the ward in there makes all the prisoners wear pink. It's an all male jail. Um, and they do like hard labor and stuff like that. I do know also in California, um, people right now are debating whether or not prison labor it, is akin to slave labor. Because, mm-hmm. of course, when you're in prison and you're paying your debt to society, there's two schools of thought where some people think, well, you're paying your debt to, to society by doing time, but you're also paying your debt by performing some sort of labor that may or may not be compensated or well compensated. And then other people say, no, it's fucked up. Even though they did something bad and they're in jail, you, shill, you still shouldn't make them perform you know a job for slave wages, essentially. So that's so- my extent of... Jail. So
2: that's pretty good. You would argue that jail is something that is probably bad.
0: Like, sure, you don't yeah, be I don't want to right? go to jail.
2: All right, now, what do you know about aliens? Well <laughs> like what what do you what do you think the reputation of let me simplify it. I'm trying to what think is, of the connection. What is the reputation that aliens have, right? Like okay. are they big, or are they small? Are they good? Are they bad? Do we not know?
0: Okay, so I think most stereotypes of aliens are that they come here to abduct people. And to, like, probe them in the butt and, like, do <laughs> experiments and figure out, like, what are humans. And then they drop people back off with, like, their memories erased.
2: They're, like, scientists, though, pretty yes. much. Yes. Yeah, like, they're scientists. They're, they are smarter than us. Like, they have some sort of knowledge that we don't oh, know Oh, totally.
0: About. Because they can get to us and we can't get to them. Okay. Now it's going to keep
2: going. Right.
0: <laughs> what do you know about the lost city of Atlantis? the fuck natalia (laughs) okay lost city of atlantis i know that there was a city i don't know where it was as some people say it never even existed and it fell into the ocean or something and so now um like i i don't remember if the theory is that everybody died when it fell into the ocean and so now it's like ghost people under the ocean or if the theory is that it fell in the ocean and then like mermaids lived there i'm not sure Yeah,
2: that's pretty much it. It was like, we kind of don't know a lot about it because obviously it's the lost city. So there's a lot of legends surrounding it. it. Yeah, uh, the long and the short of there was some sort of great flood or um, some sort of catastrophe that caused this city to fall deep into the ocean. And we don't know what happened to the people. Some people hypothesize that they all died, but some people think that they're still here. Hmm. Now my next question, (laughs) I've got two more. Okay. What do you know about the dark side of the moon?
0: uh Pocahontas saying about it right wait no that's blue corn moon <laughs> hold on wait dark side of the moon was that Mulan that's saying about it uh, mysterious as the dark the side, side of the moon man. yeah be, be a, a man with
2: all the force of
0: a raging, raging fire.
2: fire yeah that's it okay um but that's wrong oh. so
0: <laughs> it's a pink floyd album i'll tell you oh that. yeah yeah. okay um okay dark side. let me just guess because i seriously have no fucking well, idea that's,
2: that's perfect because that's kind of like the metaphor right it's mysterious as the dark side of the moon we don't know anything you about can't it. see we it can't see it right we don't okay. know what's there mm-hmm some people even think that maybe we didn't even go to the moon, which I know is I would a, punch trigger. them in the face cuz yeah. I
0: love space. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so so far we've got prison, aliens, Atlantis, dark side of the moon. Now let's tie it all together. What do you think about German engineering?
0: Okay, German engineering. How am I doing so far by the way answering these questions? Good, you're doing great. Okay. You're Ger- doing great. German engineering. Um they make cars and they're supposed to be pretty good. They got the Autobahn, so yeah. like their cars go fast. They yeah, they kind of have like a reputation for being the
2: best engineers. Right. I
0: mean, even when, you know, Hitler was there and rose to power, um, he had a, a reputation for the trains always running on time, which I believe was later debunked, but the whole point was that the country runs like clockwork. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so now let me ask you, if you were to create a conspiracy that combined prison, aliens, Atlantis, the dark side of the moon, and German engineering, what would you come up with? Because I guarantee that what (laughs) I read about is fucking, you could know, no one could, it's stranger than fiction. So I just want to hear what you come up with.
0: Okay, well, we know that the Germans, they had Mangala during the Holocaust and he was doing those twin experiments. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me put this together. Prison, aliens, Atlantis, dark side of the moon, German engineering. Taking prisoners against their will to perform experiments on them that will then... uh, Did they team up with the aliens to do the experiments and then send the people to the moon? Warmer. Okay, they team up with aliens to do experiments on humans that are in prison that don't have a choice. And those humans became mermaids that lived in Atlantis. And some of them... And the tides of the moon make Atlantis
2: before I tell you what it is I want everyone who's thinking of their own idea of how to connect these to keep that in mind write it down or comment it in the SoundCloud comment in the SoundCloud comments or comment it on the Instagram because I want to hear what you guys could come together about prison aliens Atlantis dark side of the moon and German engineering now here is the conspiracy Nazis went to Antarctica in the early 1930s where they found refugees of the last city of Atlantis living deep underneath the ice. The Nazis learned magical alien technology from them. They had learned to control a force called Vril, which is basically like the force from Star Wars. And they knew the true nature of the universe, which is that the Earth is a prison planet for our souls, and we keep dying as humans and being reborn again, unable to escape this Earth. (sighs) The only way to release ourselves from this earth is to cleanse our bloodline of uh, impurities. Impure. Oh, <laughs> now impurities. I see. Now
0: I see why you were afraid of this
2: story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Well,
0: it's Nazis though. We're talking about Nazis. That's literally one of their core beliefs right well yeah so that they're pure or whatever
2: basically like trigger warnings all over this bitch if that (laughs) basically to tell you guys like turn this off if you cannot you know just take in information about what I'm going to talk about without getting upset about it because I was pretty upset about this and I don't have connections to any of this stuff because it's like while I was researching I kept getting really really cool articles and I'm like whoa this is so cool like there's people on the dark side of the moon and then it would slowly morph into like neo-nazi hate speech and it was so subtle that i almost didn't realize it i would be reading an article and it was like germans engineered space technology that got from aliens in antarctica and then colonized the dark side of the moon also jews aren't magical
0: oh my god <laughs> yeah basically so
2: take are, everything are with a any grain of salt. us
0: magical though well, according... Oh, oh, that's part of the theory, too. According
2: to Helena Blavatsky, So, let me go back a second. Pre-World War II to Germany, in early 1900s and late 1800s, there was this German mysticism movement happening. And this shit was cool as fuck. There was, like, virgins wearing white dresses with long hair that went down to their ass, and they would go out into rivers and worship the sun and, like, chant and hold hands. It was basically... It sounds very occult which it it is cult, but it was basically like you know like woodstock hippies like yeah. hey, let's get back to nature and like let's like because following the industrial revolution there was this quest to and and people were starting to get globalized and we're starting to trade there was this quest to
0: like find who we are at our roots you know sure like an existential angst that people were trying to answer
2: right and they're like oh let's go back into nature and let's you know get reconnected with our souls and we're going to worship the sun and the moon and just return to a more free and less industrialized like Germany, basically. Okay. So during this time, um, a lot of people were influenced by this. And like I said, people were walking around barefoot. Like it was basically like early hippies. So Helena Bledvatsky took inspiration from this movement and from Indian culture Uh, from the Hindu reform movement called the Arya Samaj, founded by Swami Dayananda, And long and the short of it is basically that's like if you remember the swastika, it's actually a Hindu symbol for
0: like unity. I've heard that before, but I didn't know if it was just like bullshit or not.
2: Right. Well, that's kind of why what I was saying about the earth being a prison planet and your soul being unable to escape and you just recycle through all these different lives. It sounds very similar to the Hindu. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like the wheel of suffering, like karma, you know,
0: which actually side note, I hope reincarnation is real because I am very narcissistic and I do not want to cease to exist. So I just really hope that I get infinite chances to keep living. Yeah. Well, I think
2: from a scientific point, it's like we know that energy can't or according to our best scientists, energy can't be destroyed. So it's like, yeah, you're going to your energy will be recycled. Maybe it'll be like as a tree or like right. as a piece of mineral in a rock. But I, I mean, I don't know if you're going to have a podcast as a rock but who knows? We don't really know about rock culture. No, we don't. We can't respond and communicate with them.
0: That's specious of us. We should be studying more rock communication. Well, then we're like the aliens probing the
2: rocks. (gasps) It's too deep. It's too deep. (laughs) I went back. um,
0: If you live long enough, you'll see yourself become the the villain. villain. (laughs) (laughs) Just probing rocks. Okay, go ahead.
2: Uh, Blavatsky wrote this book, and this book uh, basically said that there are seven ancient races of people that all have their own powers. And the Aryan race is actually number five of those seven ancient races. Oh, and... well,
0: that doesn't sound like a neo-Nazi. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah.
2: Um, which is why I'm going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Blavatsky argued that humanity had descended from a series of, quote, root races. And those root races were ba- like... Everyone came from this root race, so we're all equal, right? Right. That sounds good. That doesn't sound like bad, you know? She thought the Aryans originally came from Atlantis, the lost city of Atlantis, and she described the Aryan races with the following words. This is Helena Blavatsky describing the Aryans, not me. (laughs) Okay. The Aryan races, for instance, now varying from dark brown, almost black, red, brown, yellow, down to the whitest creamy color, are yet of the one and the same stock. The fifth root race and spring from one single progenitor who is said to have lived over 80, 850,000 years ago at the time of the sinking of the last remnants of the great continent of Atlantis. So to sum that up, Aryan people are one of seven races of people who are magical. And we think of Aryan I think of as being like this very specific uh, look.
0: Yeah, like blonde hair, blue eyes, white right. skin.
2: And she's saying that nope, there some of them are black, some of them are dark brown, some of them are red, brown, yellow,
0: some of them are creamy. It's all different, but they're just this type I don't of I don't people. like the adjective creamy <laughs> to describe people, but <laughs> I appreciate the rest of what she's saying. Sounds cool so far. So
2: these people have magical powers. They're people of all colors related to a root race of magical powers. Uh, There's this great flood, Atlantis. Races are forced to intermix. And then when these races are forced to intermix is when some of these powers get lost. It's like magical powers that the Aryan race had. Okay. Now, this is where it starts going a little bit downhill because... um, Helena Bletvatsky just starts saying some sketchy stuff. Because before it's like, oh, everyone's magical. Everyone's equal. Yeah, but there's a loophole to it. She described the root race as a technical term to describe human evolution over large time periods in her cosmology. However, she also claimed that there were modern non-Aryan people who were inferior to Aryans.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. So... She regularly contrasts Aryan with Semitic culture,
0: Semitic culture.
2: Oh, so the Jewish people? She doesn't say Jewish people. She says
0: Semitic. Right, but anti-Semitic means anti-Jewish. Right. So Semitic would mean Jewish, wouldn't it? I think so. Okay.
2: Like, at this point, I like the part about the magical people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like the part about the lost city of Atlantis. And then this is the part where I'm just kind of like, eh.
0: Well, she said that Aryans could be of all races. So maybe she has a different definition for Semitic.
2: That's what I thought, but she continues. Oh, no. (laughs) She says, Semitic people are an offshoot of Aryans who have become degenerate. This is her quote. Quote, degenerate in spirituality and perfected in materiality. They are semi-animal creatures who include the Tasmanians, a portion of the Australians, and also a mountain tribe in China. They are considerable numbers of the mixed Lemuro-Atlantean peoples produced by various crossings with such semi-human stocks, uh, for example, the wild men of Borneo, the Vedas of Ceylon, and the most remaining Australians, Bushmen, I hate this word, Negritos, and Andaman as landers. Uh, like, you know, this is 1800-something, so I'm going to allow her the benefit of the doubt,
0: believing that maybe people were talking like this back then, but I don't think so. I mean, yeah. D- this sounds pretty radical. You, I mean, when you... <laughs> The benefit that we have now living in modern society is we have the internet, so it's very easy to meet people of different cultures. And then that helps break down boundaries because you can realize like, oh, this word that maybe I grew up with or maybe my society uses is not appropriate. But back then, they didn't have the internet, so maybe, you know, they didn't have the benefit of getting to know people and knowing what's right and what's wrong to say. I don't know. Right. I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Well, so Lovatsky's
2: admirers claimed that her thinking was not connected to fascist or racialist ideas, asserting that she believed in a universal brotherhood of humanity and wrote that all men have spirituality and physically the same origin and that mankind is essentially of one in the same essence. Uh, but on the other hand in the her book the secret doctrine she states verily mankind is of one blood but not the same essence so the long and the short of it is basically she's saying yes we're all magical people we descended from you know this root race of like supreme knowledge and mag- and magic and one of those races is the aryan people who were the people of this lost city of atlantis and they look all different and they're all good but also there's another type of people who are less connected to spirituality and more connected to materiality, she said. So, like, more of this world. And it's unfortunate that she uses the word Semitic. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, I got it. All right. Um. Okay. So So far, I understand what she's saying.
2: Right. So this is the woman who's kind of like at the forefront of this German mysticism movement. And this is a lot of what sparks this nationalism that goes and and turns into um, a bunch of different societies who have members that later go into the German nationalist movement and make up the SS, which is like Hitler's officers and army. Okay, so this is kind of, you know, what's at the root of all this German nationalism is like, yeah, we're this magical people. And who wouldn't want to believe that? Like, I'm a magical person, and the only reason I can't, like, blow you up with my face is because 850,000 years ago, I, you, my ancestors, like, intermixed with some other people.
0: Yeah, that may, I mean, everybody wants to feel like there's something special about them, which goes into that existential angst that we were talking about, where everyone's trying to find their purpose and their role in society. And so that is also why it can be easy for people who... Um, are vulnerable to enter into like cults and stuff like that because they're looking for a place to belong and they're looking for the answers and nobody knows Mm -hmm. you know why we're here nobody can answer you know those types of questions about the soul and so it's easy for people to find themselves in situations where maybe they're in a religious cult or a political cult or something similar
2: well i think also (laughs) It's like if you take a group of people that essentially have nothing in common, right? Mm-hmm. And by saying that we don't allow this type of person or we, we don't let this person into our group, now you've given everyone in that group a common denominator of having in common that they don't like another type of person. Yeah, that's a good point. You take people with different socioeconomic backgrounds, different appearances, different interests, and you're just like, hey... We, we're not all the same, but what if we all hated the same type of people? Then we would have something in common.
0: That's actually super relatable, too, because if you break it down to something as simple as being in middle school, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and every, hormones are raging. Middle schoolers are the worst. And you find one kid in class that you can all agree is worse than you. Right. Then it makes you feel better, <laughs> right. too, because exactly. you're not that person. And you're not the one being picked on. It's a mob yeah. mentality.
2: It is. It's a mob mentality. So... That's kind of the foundation of this German mysticism movement. Now, the next thing that happens is a book called The Coming Race um, was published anonymously in 1871 by someone named Edward bulwer Lytton, And that's in German, and I don't speak German, so I'm sure I'm butchering that. It's also been called Vril, The Power of the Coming Race. Now, I had a couple questions when I read that first portion. Why publish a book anonymously? And what the fuck is Vril? <laughs> <laughs> um, I found out that Vril is like the force. It's a liquid that is super magical and powerful. And it's what gave the Aryans their powers that they knew how to control this liquid. Right. Like, so you think of if, if you've seen cartoons of the Atlantis people, they can like yeah. control the water and they're like glowing and stuff. Yeah. That's Vril okay yeah and vril is like this life force you can use it to either destroy or bring life into things it's just like Oh, fuck we're so old but what was that cartoon in the 90s where that girl like turned into Capri Sun fluid and like could go yes
0: around? um yeah Alex I'm, Mac Alex Mack, Alex Mack. yeah, yeah. The, the, it was called like the mysterious life of Alex Mack or a strange life of Alex Mack. but yeah she would turn into that Capri Sun liquid. <laughs> I remember this show because it gave me fucking anxiety <laughs> and do you want to know why because every time she turned into liquid and then turned back into her human form her clothes would be gone and that is like a nightmare when you're a child Yeah, like you know you have nightmares about showing up to school without clothes on and she would find herself in those situations mm-hmm. all the time she'd be at school turn into liquid then she'd pop up behind a trash can and she would be naked as like a child and I was very anxious for about
2: that our listeners who don't know what that is or what Capri Sun liquid <laughs> is back in the 90s they had commercials for Capri Sun where you would drink the Capri Sun and like turn into like the silver
0: surfer yeah much. like a metallic liquid like a
2: metallic liquid and yeah. then there was the show that was called Alex Mack and she was like had a special power where she could turn into this liquid pretty much. Yeah,
0: and and I remember it because she would lose her clothes. Now, that's fucked up. Why couldn't the clothes <laughs> turn into liquid with her? That's all I'm saying. Also, she's a child, Nickelodeon. Right? That's the other thing. Like, come on. So,
2: and now the next question is why make this book anonymous well when it was announced who wrote this book the sales dropped by 90 percent. that's so much right and so you would think like oh the guy that wrote this was you know probably people didn't agree with him and the reason they didn't agree with him is because he was basically repressing his homosexuality like oh he had developed a theory that the odyssey the famous book the iliad and the odyssey that the odyssey came from a pen of a young sicilian woman and that the scenes of the poem reflected the coast of sicily that was not cool people wanted to believe that this was an epic written by a man um he also translated the iliad and kind of had the same theory about it his other works includes shakespeare's sonnets and he had a theory that Shakespeare's sonnets, if rearranged, tell the story about a se- homosexual affair. So people didn't like him because back then being homosexual was not accepted.
0: It wasn't the norm. I mean, it's still not accepted in many parts of the world.
2: Yeah. So he- he's a fascinating person. If you want to read about him, he has all kinds of relationships, friendships with men. What was his name again? His name is Edward Butler. Edward Butler. Okay. Yeah. So in his book, that was, le- his book was extremely popular when it was popular published anonymously but it's a science fiction book basically the book tells a story about uh, an explorer and his friend they go like i don't know around the world Mm -hmm. yeah they're like exploring Mm -hmm. they see a giant hole in the ground and they're like let's check this out (laughs) they um descend down into this hole and the protagonist survives but the rope gets cut above him and his friend dies so he's now in this hole by himself and he has no way to get back up Okay. Because That's scary. the rope died. Yeah. Or the rope went. So he's like probably going to die in this hole by himself. Mm-hmm. However, he, instead of dying, discovers a secret race of people who are refugees from Atlantis who survived the last ice age and a great flood by living deep in a cavern underground. Also, they have magical powers from a force called viril, and they pass on their knowledge through sacred mystery schools.
0: I'm just imagining the smell of living underground <laughs> for generations with it's, no ventilation. It's like moist. Yeah, it's like moist and like there's just piles of feces is y- what I'm imagining. But they're magical. So maybe they can make the feces disappear. Well, they can turn it into that Capri Sun liquid and it just like goes away.
2: You want to hear about what these people are actually like, according to Wikipedia? Yes. So the Vrilja, is what they are called, are descendants of the antediluvian civilization called the Ana, who lived in networks of subterranean caverns linked by tunnels. Originally surface dwellers, they fled underground thousands of years ago to escape a massive flood and gained greater power by facing and dominating the harsh conditions of the earth. The place where the narrator descends houses 12,000 families, one of the largest groups. Their society is a technologically supported utopia, chief among their tools being an all-permeated fluid called Vril, a latent source of energy that the spiritually elevated hosts are able to master through training of their will to a degree that depends on their hereditary constitution. Mm -hmm. Sketch. Okay, sketch, yeah. (laughs) This mastery gives them access to an extraordinary force that can be controlled at will. It is this fluid that the Vrilja employ to communicate with the narrator. The powers of the Vril include ability to heal, change, and destroy beings and things. The destructive powers in particular are immense, allowing a few young Vrilja children to destroy entire cities if necessary. That's scary. Men in the society, pronounced Arn, and women, called Gi, have equal rights. Yay.
0: Yay. (laughs) Small (laughs) victories.
2: The women are stronger and larger than men. The women are also the pursuing party in romantic relationships. So, like
0: Amazon women.
2: Pretty much. They marry for just three years, after which the men choose whether to remain married or be single. Mm. Mm,
0: They're all choosing to be single. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The female may then pursue a new husband. However, they seldom make the choice to remarry. This is like a man's dream. Like, he's like, oh, like uh, women are pursuing me. Big
0: bosomed Amazon women that can destroy you if they want to, (laughs) but they don't. And you only have to be with them for three years and you get to have sex with them whenever you want. And then you can choose to dissolve the relationship after three years and right. they can't remarry so you never have to worry about being jealous that they get someone else. No they can else. remarry they oh, choose not to they because you are to- just so fucking oh, great wow. and wow
2: no one's dick will ever compete. <laughs> it's like the man's <laughs> this fantasy. Is, yeah it's a man's wet dream. So the Vrelia the people they have a religion and their religion says that there is a god but they don't go into like detail about it. Like, that's what I like about these people. They're like, there's, there, there's something up there, but we don't talk about it. Like, we don't, we're not that interested. Well, it's because
0: they can do magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't need, what do they need the, God Yeah, for? right.
2: Right. So the Verilia believe in the permanence of life, which according to them is not destroyed, but merely changes form, mm-hmm. which is very much similar to reincarnation. The narrator adopts the attire of his host and begins to also adopt their customs. Z falls in love with him and tells her father, who orders Tay to kill him with his staff. Eventually, both Tay and Z conspire against such a command, and Z leads the narrator through the same chasm which he first ascended. Returning to the surface, he warns in time that the Vrilia will run out of habitable space underground and will claim the surface of the earth, destroying mankind in the process if necessary. And that's the end of the novel.
0: Hmm. And this is written by the guy that was repressing his homosexuality? Yes. And this was a science fiction
2: book at the time that was very, very popular. Um, and, and it kind of, the reason that I, it influenced a lot of the Nationalist Party in Germany because it came on the heels of this book that this woman had written about the Atlantean race and the people. So it kind of drew on that, but it was a work of fiction. Okay. But doesn't it kind of sound like, um, an Indiana Jones movie?
0: It does. And it also <laughs> sounds like L. Ron Hubbard when he wrote his Scientology science fiction books that then people took too literally and developed a whole religion from. So that's, yeah, that, that book that
2: I just told you about is fiction. Now, here's where the conspiracy starts. OK. So nationalist Germany in 1938 claimed the territory of New Swabia in Antarctica. Okay. What, do you, what do you know about Antarctica?
0: It's cold. Um, Nobody lives there. There is a like scientific research center down there. And I know that it takes forever to get there. I don't think you can fly there. I think you have to take a ship. Um, And that's all that's really all I know about it. So there's like normally a couple people from each country that are down. It's like the International Space Station, but on Earth.
2: Yeah, you have to have special permission to go down mm-hmm. there. Basically, researchers take you down there. It's cost like a fortune to get down yes, there. Yeah. There's nothing there. There's no accommodations. All there is like little research things. You have to be dressed by like the like the Michelin man to like even yeah. survive there. Totally. Um, so the new Schwabenland expedition was basically on December 1938. A ship left Hamburg, Germany for Antarctica. And it was called the M.S. Schwabenland. (laughs) It was a freighter built in 1925 and renamed in 1934 after the Swabia region in southern Germany, which I love. So they're basically like, Swabia? We make new Swabia in Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) And... So it could carry catapults and aircrafts, and it was a secret, secret expedition. So secret that it only had thirty-three members
0: plus the crew of twenty-four. I that, don't know. That about... doesn't sound so secret. That's like sixty people.
2: Yeah, it's sixty <laughs> people. But think about this: you're going on a boat to a place that nobody has pretty much ever been, and it's
0: scary. I don't know. I don't like boats. No, that would be very scary. Yeah. I think you could just hit an iceberg and Titanic yourself. Exactly.
2: So on January nineteenth, in nineteen thirty-nine, the ship arrives on the coast. Which is this part of Antarctica that they land on is claimed by Norway, but they're just like, nope, this is ours now. They like (laughs) plant Nazi flags on the surface, and they're just like walking around in all of their outfits, and they're just like New Swabenland. And let me show you what the flag from New Swabenland looks like.
0: Well, they're not even trying to like (laughs) hide who they are. Okay, let me describe what I'm looking at. So, picture a flag that has a cross um, going, you know, up and down, and then in the upper left hand corner is a red box with some four stars in it. One, two, three, four, five stars in it, excuse me. And then right in the middle, prominently on display, is just a fucking swastika.
2: Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know if we can put this on the Instagram. I like, think Instagram we might delete Look, us.
0: here's the thing. If we're putting pictures of, what was the thing you did two episodes ago with the pentagram in the middle of the floor, <laughs> and, like, people, like, children are laying on this pentagram. If we didn't get reported for that, then I we shouldn't get reported for something that's historically accurate.
2: Right, that's true. So, news. Well, here's. We say historically accurate. The best part about this is that. So, after they are like walking along the coast, they're taking a fuck ton of pictures because that's all part of the German nationalist movement. It's like, look how powerful we are. Like, let's publish these photos of us claiming antarctica like Mm -hmm. in our national newspapers well norway who like owns the land (laughs) heard from whalers in the area that like hey there's like nazis planting flags over on this part of the coast and norway is essentially just like no that's that didn't happen like they deny that it ever happened even though there's photographic evidence that it did happen well
0: people deny that the moon landing happened and there's photographic evidence of that so Oh, no. Are you saying that the moon landing actually didn't happen? No, I'm saying it did happen. Oh, and okay. anyone who thinks that it's wrong can get punched by Buzz Aldrin. No. <laughs> <laughs> so they're on this surface
2: and everyone's watching. Like there's whalers in the area that have nothing to fucking do. So they're just like watching these Nazis and they start doing suspicious stuff. They're building bases underneath the ice that are accessible only by submarine or U-boat. Okay. And the their idea was that they were going to make this base down in Antarctica that was like super well protected, that would be good enough for Hitler to go to. So they had unlimited funding to do this.
0: So if shit hits the fan and they're losing the war, they can just send all of their, you know, political leaders to that area. Right. It's like a bunker. It's like a bunker. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But also we know from what those books I just told you about and the German mysticism movement going on, that there were a few people who believed that perhaps... There might be secret people living
0: underground with their vril, Alex macking their yeah. their lives around.
2: So now, after the Nazis visit Antarctica, they start doing some stuff that makes you think. Well, what were the fuck were they doing down in those bunkers? They start experimenting with psychic powers and creating flying saucer technology. What? Yeah. Have you ever seen a flying saucer, a Nazi flying saucer? No. I'm about to show you. One second.
0: I'm laughing because that sounds fucking ridiculous. I can't wait to see this. Is it just like, is it just like two plates stuck together with a Nazi symbol on top, with a swastika on top? That's what I'm picturing. Like two dinner plates hot glued together that they're throwing like a frisbee across the Antarctic tundra.
2: So here's one that they came up with called the flying wing, which still exists today.
0: This looks more close to the stingray, the Black Hawk. Yeah, the, that yeah. we saw um, in the Area Fifty One episode.
2: Now, to deepen this conspiracy, though, we believe that that Black Hawk looks like reverse engineered alien space technology. Yes, and this is a more oh, primitive version of. Oh that.
0: my god! So they maybe they were already they had already met the aliens in Antarctica or the mystical people, and they had reverse engineered something.
2: Well here's what we know they go to Antarctica
0: I'm like going down I can like feel myself slipping one level deeper into this conspiracy and, theory and- I am on board
2: good and I caution you because that is exactly how I got <gasps> to a place where I was like wait, wait I don't know how deep this goes <laughs> so um yeah so basically the Germans They take a boat and they start going under the ice in Antarctica. No one knows what they're doing. They have a bunker down there doing God knows what. And then they come out and all of a sudden they start engineering this crazy technology and trying to do psychic powers on people.
0: So people think they met.
2: People think that they maybe met the Varel Society. Oh,
0: shit. And
2: the reason that people think that they met the Varel Society is because right after this happened, the Germans get super cocky and um, this is... 1946 so we're like at the basically the end of world war ii uh over 4,500 military troops from the u.s britain and australia consisting of three naval battle armadas departed from three separate locations and the captain bird was his name of this like antarctic expedition was really cocky right like Mm -hmm. they had all this technology and stuff and they're kind of scaring the shit out of people they had just uh launched a an unmanned rocket that crashed into the surface of the moon that was emitting light in 1938 like that's so far before we even did anything with space yeah they were way ahead of their time and so obviously australia uh america and britain are like no like yeah we gotta
0: nip this in the bud exactly so
2: bird the captain of that was given unlimited funding in eight months to complete an operation where he basically was just gonna wipe out all of these but the mission didn't go as planned. He suffered massive casualties, and his fleet was destroyed, and what remained of his armada, armada retreated in disgrace from a humiliating defeat in just under two weeks. He was super embarrassed, and then in 1947, a Chilean newspaper called El Mercurio... Mercurio? Let me see it. El Mercurio? El Mercurio. El Mer- the Mercurio carried... Uh, an article from its correspondent, Lee Van Atta, aboard the ship Mount Olympus. The title of the article was Admiral Richard E. Byrd refers to the strategic importance of the Poles. And this is the English translation of this article. So Admiral, Admiral Richard E. Byrd, the guy that maybe found the, the Royal Society, warned today that the United States should adopt measures of protection against the possibility of an invasion by the country by hostile aircraft coming from the polar regions. The Admiral explained that he was not trying to scare anyone, but the cruel reality is that in case of a new war, the United States could be attacked by aircraft flying over one or both poles. This statement was made as part of a recapitulation of his own polar experience in an exclusive interview with International News Service. Talking about the recently completed expedition... Byrd said that the most important result of his observations and discoveries is the potential effect that they have in relation to the security of the United States. The fantastic speed with which the world is shrinking, recalled the Admiral, is one of the most important lessons learned during his recent Antarctic exploration. I have to warn my compatriots that the time has ended when we were able to take refuge in our isolation and rely on the certainty that distances, the oceans, and the
0: poles were a guarantee of safety. Can you explain that to me in layman's terms? So is he saying that be that you need to be wary because there's something in Antarctica that could come get you?
2: He is saying in layman's terms after he suffers this massive defeat where they've basically been winning the war up until now and they just get crushed. He's he's saying I have to warn America, not because I'm bitter, <laughs> but because it's for their own safety that distances between oceans and lands can no longer save you because there is technology that exists in these polar regions that can come get you. Okay, okay. Basically, because before then, you, we didn't. They didn't have the technology to travel these mass distances. So mm-hmm. it was like until we. Uh, sadly did Hiroshima and Nagasaki like that technology had been considered but it had never been like people didn't know you could actually do it
0: okay you know right so
2: from we kind of thought like oh the war is being fought over there in Europe like fuck it you know like, yeah it's not, it doesn't
0: affect us yeah. but, but then now there's like you know aircrafts that can travel great distances without needing to refuel that can bomb us right okay. exactly and so um, and then he,
2: he so he's basically saying That there is something that we don't know about that is going to get us.
0: Okay. He's just, like, threatening. He's being ominous and, like, vague on purpose so that people be like, what's he talking about? Oh, my God, I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Now...
2: Obviously, conspiracies are shrouded in mystery. We've got Norway saying this. He never even landed there. What are you guys talking about? We've got the Germans saying, quote, in 1943, the German submarine fleet is proud of having built for the Führer and another part of the world a Shangri-La, an impregnable fortress, which is why they sent the naval task task force down to invade Antarctica. Um And that was where all of, you know, Britain, America and Australia just basically creamed them.
0: So something that uh, I think is really funny is in the German mysticism movement that you were describing earlier, one of the things that that lady who wrote that book said is she said um, the non-magical people, one of the places they live is Australia. (laughs) And then here comes these non-magical, quote unquote, Australian fleets, and they just fucking decimate i know the nazis yeah it's like so it's very fitting
2: it is very fitting it's like what do you want like well what's
0: your magic do now so skip ahead now
2: we know er, german engineering is like really really good oh yeah after they go to antarctica the germans basically start doing all kinds of technological advances like they invent the rocket propulsion system they invent the jet they invent the pulse jet they have all of this technology that no one's had before then they they're the inventor of most of our weapons and stuff that we have right so some here's where (laughs) a little weird now now i don't know how this happened (laughs) but somehow the nazis got the technology via time travel and or um molecular disposition like to go to the moon and okay not only are they i'm just gonna accept it okay not only are they on the moon they've actually traveled to the furthest planets in our solar system and are inhabiting them
0: okay so they're colonizing the solar system
2: yes because the nazis are of this They've cleansed themselves and have, like, to be in the military or to be in the SS, you had to have our certificate that said you were Aryan. Okay. According to some people on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> and so, if we believe this German mysticism stuff, they're by being able to cleanse themselves of the non-magical people's blood they're able to reconnect with their magical um atlantean race and leave the prison earth planet where everyone else's non-magical souls oh get
0: stuck. okay i see you tying it all together then yeah. so so one of the theories is that so they were able to break out of the prison that is earth mm-hmm. because they're magic people and one of the places they populated is the dark side of the moon <laughs> And then they also went to other planets in the solar system and are currently colonizing those planets.
2: Currently. And yeah. So now I'm going to show you a video of some people talking about this that can explain it. Like, I don't want to to explain this in a way that makes it sound like I believe in it. Because okay, of yeah. at its root, it's saying that people who are have Semitic practices are non-magical and materialistic and like all of the just toxic stereotypes that go along with right. that train of thought.
0: And so, I, I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: I'm going to let someone else talk about it, and here they go. So what's the name of the video? The name of this video is called German Secret Space Program and Advanced Propulsion Technology by an anthropologist named Robert Seffer, who uh, writes a lot about this subject. Okay.
4: What you are looking at is a rocket launch as seen from the International Space Station on November 16th, 2018, made from 2,050 individual time-lapse photographs. An achievement made possible by contributions from many German scientists, like von Braun, who after World War II were utilized by allied governments and exploited for their knowledge of advanced propulsion technology. This same technology, according to the official word from NASA, was used to safely get man to the moon and back. I say according to NASA because the claim is disputed by some who say that the moon missions were at least in part staged. While the official narrative remains controversial, even more controversial are allegations that the German Nationalist Party had obtained even more advanced technology and had already been to the moon long before the creation of NASA itself.
3: If you would just kind of give us a background and an outline of just what was the German Saucer Project, as we understand uh, it at this point. The German Saucer Project was an offshoot of their advanced aviation uh, and space research and development. Uh, disbelieving at the beginning the existence of German Saucers I made a thorough search of uh, books on advanced German aerospace technology, and what I discovered was astonishing. Uh, the Germans were the first to develop uh, seriously to develop the rocket engines, the turbojet engine, the pulse jet, the ramjet. They were the first to test a rocket-powered airplane in flight, a rocket-powered, uh, a turbojet-powered. And a pulse jet-powered airplane, piloted planes. Uh, they the, were the first one to introduce them in combat service. That's all what we know. Uh, they also developed the flying wing. They developed the flying wing, the Horton Brothers. Uh, they developed a turbojet flying wing. They were working on monstrous intercontinental bombers of, of bizarre designs. I have several hundred slides of that I've taken from books from the public domain of designs that were so ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, The Germans developed, according to some even more advanced rumors, they developed the time machine. Uh, According to other rumors, the bombs that were thrown over Hiroshima and Nagasaki were German. The American project went along other lines and the bombs that were produced were much bulkier and impossible to load on an airplane. Uh, A light-emitting rocket hit the moon in 1938, unmanned rocket.
2: Now, this next guy is named Vladimir, and I like him because he is so cocky. He's like, hit me with all your skeptic questions. I will, like, answer all of them. And, like, the ways that he answers them is just, like, so not, not, like, satisfying. Like, he's so cocky about it.
3: Vladimir. Yeah. Oh, there you are. Hey.
5: What's, what's, I've got Jim and Roger here. Excellent. And we're going to fire some questions at you. Excellent. I want skeptical questions.
3: Well, you probably get them. <laughs> Capital. Okay, what do you, you want, somebody want to start off? Well, I've had my shot. Roger, you take
4: a shot at old Vladimir for us. Here.
3: Well, Vladimir,
4: you've been around this uh, scene for an awful long time. Uh, how advanced from the state of the craft, in other words, rather than going from the beginning, let's go at things from the front. And how advanced do you believe at this point in time that German technology is, we'll say here, In other words, wherever it's at. And if you can, comment about the location down in Antarctica and about some of the facilities there.
5: Uh, Well, uh, I want to make one clarification here that uh, the very definition of German technology is a little bit um, fuzzy because Germany in its European location is one thing, but the German colony on the South Pole is basically linked much closer to the secret projects going on in the United States and Russia uh, through the secretive channels of the basically planetary government that runs the planet. So it's not just a separate German technology on the South Pole, it's uh, very much interwoven probably, in my opinion, inseparably interwoven with the secret American or Russian technology of the uh, super black projects in both oh. countries, oh. Uh, my point of uh, line of research has been that all behind the smoke screen of the Cold War for all these years, the Americans and Russians and the Germans in the South Polar Colony have been the best of buddies in the very secretive research uh, of the, let's say, the Alternative 3 scenario, uh, Moon and Mars survival and evacuation colonies, or the Star Trek scenario. It's my feeling that uh, nuclear-powered anti-gravity craft uh, has been built for 20, maybe 30 years by the uh, superpowers and used in outer space interstellar exploration basically what we see on star trek it's a reality for a limited number so uh i mean how advanced is the german technology on the south pole to come back to your original question this is the secret terrestrial technology at these highest levels of conspiracy i mean there are no superpowers feuding with each other they're all best of friends working together under the Management of the basically overseeing extraterrestrial and celestial management.
4: Uh, well, if that was the, if you really feel that's the case, then how come in the late 40s and early 50s I uh, were German craft overflying the United States, and why were we scrambling fighters and trying to shoot some of them down?
5: Why? Well, because in the late 40s, early 50s, the Germans were still uh, working on their uh, turbojet craft. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they were already, uh, phasing them out in favor of their spinning magnetic field craft, but many of these, uh, called German craft over the United States have actually been secret craft of the American black programs. Uh, I mean, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand does. Actually, there are many hands. Uh, to the octopus of the secret okay.
2: government so basically he's saying that the guy asked he's like well if they're all best friends then why were we killing each other yeah and he said oh no this is the deeper conspiracy um actually some of those planes that they shot out were like basically actors or people who didn't know what was going on and were being shot out but like the conspiracy runs so deep that like they have to make it appear like oh so it was a cover
0: They sacrificed some of their own citizens so that the historical narrative would be that they were enemies even though they were working together the whole time. With
2: the aliens and there's a secret society of these great world powers that are all in cahoots who are managing this prison planet Earth for the souls that we
0: have. Damn.
2: So now you have the facts. (laughs) um let's, in quotation there's marks there's a lot to unpack
0: here yes definitely
2: what do you think
0: <laughs> i do not support this yeah i would love to believe that there are a secret race of people living underground just because that's kind of cool do i believe that the nazis are magic no because they lost the war mm-hmm. so if you're really but that's, that's what
2: this conspiracy is saying oh is that they lost
0: on purpose they l- may have appeared to have
2: lost the war but that was just they they went to the moon they're colonizing the rest of the
0: solar system so do you think then that under this conspiracy theory that guy that we just listened to his interview he would argue that hitler didn't die and that he is off on another planet somewhere because i okay if we're gonna say that yes some people were sacrificed as pawns for the greater good of this huge conspiracy theory. But why would they sacrifice their, you know, their main leader? Yeah.
2: But I would argue according to this conspiracy that Hitler was just a pawn, right? Like he's just leading this German people who are not the true Aryan race, because the true Aryan race is the Atlanteans that live underneath this subcontinent in Antarctica. So he's he wanted to have the power that they have and get access to the Vril and be able to control it so that he could control the whole world. But he can't do that because there's too much intermingling with the rest of the species in the world. And like we could, the world can't like unite. We're all fighting each other. Where this Vril society people live underground and they're all in harmony. But they're gonna get mad at some point and come up out of the ground and destroy it, destroy the earth. <laughs>
0: What do you think? I
2: think that this is an interesting theory. It is very, very hard for me to separate Nazis from being bad.
0: <laughs> well, I think even in this theory, they're bad, aren't they? I mean, yeah. I mean, in this theory, it sounds like everybody's bad except the Vril. The Vril. Yeah. yeah.
2: So the the... F- f- main conspiracy is basically which the thing that I like is that there's these Atlantean people that are magical people that live underneath the ground in Antarctica and that that your soul can only escape this earth once you are basically free from material like wanting material things
0: so basically we all need to become nuns or non-molesting priests <laughs> and then once we attain that status we can go to other planets or we can it's
2: basically it's basically like karma like hinduism right like the whole idea is that our body is a prison and like the like the karma is like this wheel of suffering that we're constantly going through and the only way to escape this wheel of suffering is to descend our like our soul away from our human body and like go on beyond this earth Mm -hmm. and that's why the swastika is like a hindu symbol for that and you know hitler himself in the ss has so many occult practices and rituals in it like they were so into this is a whole other podcast but they were so into harnessing this power and some of the stuff that the vril does sounds a lot like stuff they were trying to do like even what we were trying to do in mk ultra like mind control um time control like get time travel time travel yeah like all of these ideas for some fucking reason i don't know why (laughs) in the 40s people were just they probably people were off, buck wild well in I the would 40s be too and 50s. coming off of the air force was invented like we right. saw this huge jump in technology and i'm sure people were just like buck like what else can we do yeah your I brain's like trying that. to your
0: brain's reeling from this 180 that we've done culturally
2: yeah and it's like well if we can make a a, a heavy disc fly in the sky why can't we time travel yeah, I don't, I just, it's too, I can't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's too um, much of a mind fuck. What I think is interesting about this is, like, how do we feel about the rest of the solar system being populated by Nazis?
0: The idea of just, like, people being able to go to other planets and live there in those conditions is cool to me. Right. If you exclude the Nazi factor, <laughs> and that, and I understand why you were like, I don't know if I want to cover this story or not. If you guys, Van Moss, we will go <laughs> to the Nazi, and we will kill. rewrite the history book, and we will take all the photos while we're down there, and we will find the vril, we will obtain their secret magic technology, and we will become Alex Mack. Except we will have the technology to make our clothes turn into liquid mm, with our bodies. Right. Feminism. Feminism. Um. And and we'll write about it in the history books.
2: BRB, gotta go (laughs) create
0: alien technology with... BRB, gotta go fly on a saucer to the dark side of the moon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was good. All
0: right, right. bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.